On Friday, we had the longer, uh, the, the complete psalm, Psalm 69, that we had as our psalm response today. And that whole psalm is a cry out to the Lord for uh, a man who is being um, accused of, of whatever it is uh, for no good reason. And there is a verse in there that just struck me uh, that is, more numerous than the hairs of my head are those who hate me without cause. So I realized at that point, I'm not balding, I'm just making friends. And today we have this gospel passage, even the hairs of our head are counted. And of course that is supposed to be, for most of us, that's supposed to be some number that is almost incalculable. But for some of us it's quite easy. But that's how much God the Father loves us. That he knows us, that he loves us, that he takes care of us. But I want to go back to that first one. More numerous than the, the hairs of my head are those who hate me without cause. And, or today in this first reading, uh, Jeremiah denounced. Let us denounce him. Terror on every side. There, there's something wrong with that. It, it might hit our ears a little wrong, and especially if we might have a wrong understanding. After all, aren't we as Catholics, as Christians, supposed to be loved by everyone? The Lord never said we were going to be loved by everyone. That's not the commandment. The commandment is to love everyone. And sometimes, in doing so, it makes enemies. Sometimes when we love uh, others as, uh, even if they don't deserve it, it makes enemies. That's okay. Today in this uh, gospel passage, Jesus, or I want to back up, uh, sorry, go to Jeremiah first. Poor Jeremiah, sometimes when I read, read him, I think this poor man, he's, he's so paranoid. But you have to remember the, the uh, context in which he's writing. He doesn't give us, the church in their wisdom perhaps, doesn't give us the full context uh, at times when we have these, these portions that, that stick out to us. Uh, denounce, let us denounce him. But he lived in a time when he knew that Assyria was going to attack, that Assyria was going to destroy Jerusalem, that he was going to, Assyria, Assyria was going to put an end to the kingship. And he went to warn the king because God had told him to. And the king dismissed him. And not only that, but the false prophets that surrounded the king dismissed him. Oh, king, that would never happen to you. Oh, no, 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 you're doing, you're doing right. God says he shall bless you, that you will live long on the land and, and all will be well. This Jeremiah, he's, he's the rabble-rouser. He's the one who's he's lying. He's telling you that God is going to destroy this. That's not going to happen. Go ahead. Destroy him. Dismiss him. Throw him into the pit. Get rid of him. The people that had surrounded Jeremiah, that had been his friends, some of them, dismissed him and tried to put him to death. He was hated because he tried to proclaim the message that God had given him. A message that, yes, was hard to hear. A message that, had the king listened, would have softened the blow of Assyria, 
Would it soften the blow then? You could, you could play the game. If Assyria hadn't attacked, would Babylon have attacked? And if Babylon, then would the temple have been destroyed? And all these things. That, that the course of human history, or at least Hebrew history, Jewish history, would have been, been completely different had he listened to Jeremiah. Had he paid attention to the true word of the Lord. Instead, he filled his ears with something that was pleasing. And Jeremiah, caught in the crossfire, was hated. Hated by many because he spoke the truth. But in the end, who was right? Certainly not the false prophets. It was Jeremiah as the city was attacked. Today in this gospel passage, we have Jesus telling us to fear no one. And I don't know about you, but that's a tall order. That's, you know, loving everyone, that's difficult enough. But to fear no one, oh, that's even harder of a command to follow, I think, for me anyway. To fear no one? Nothing is concealed that will not be revealed. No secret that will not be known. And this, of course, cuts both ways. We live in a world, and I am still trying to reconcile, there's... Of course, you, you know my, my statement about uh, statistics, but uh, I'm scandalized almost to hear how many murders go unsolved. How many crimes go unsolved. Because ultimately, criminals get found out. You can't hide forever. And yet, uh, sometimes it happens. But we certainly should not feel justified that just because it happens sometimes that it's not found out that Jesus is not right here. There is nothing ultimately that will not be made known. Even if it's not in this life, in the next life it will be revealed. The God the Father knows all. He knows who the murderers will be or are that will stand before him. He knows who they are and if they've not repented. They will be condemned. He knows who the adulterers are, the, 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 the lustful, the, 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 the liars, the thieves. Even if they get by with it in this world, it will be revealed in the next. And there will be justice, because God is a God of justice. But it also is true for the positive. Those who do good, those who try to do good without being seen, without, being, uh, um, without making a big public spectacle of themselves, those who do it just simply because it is right, that too will be found out. If not in this life, certainly in the next. And for those that are condemned, those that are wrongly uh, condemned or accused of great crimes or whatever it is, that will be revealed too. The truth cannot be contained. The truth will be revealed. Jesus tells us not to be afraid of those who can kill the body. Of course, he's, in doing so, he's telling and he's implying that the, the 12 and us who are following are the ones who are seeking to do what is right and still have the world against us, have people hate us, have people who despise us simply because we are followers. He tells us not to be afraid of them. They can only kill the body. They can't kill the soul. And he gives us an image. Be afraid, rather, of the one who can destroy both soul and body in Gehenna. And I, I am going to try to be cautious in the next uh, 14, 15 months, uh, but here's a little invitation. Gehenna is a real place. It's a Hinnom Valley on the west and south side of Jerusalem. 
It is a valley that was, in the Old Testament, a place of great, great sin. It was a valley that, for some periods, was simply trashy. Can you imagine just the smell of burning trash, rotted, rotted fruits and meats and all those things? Not that they threw a whole lot of that out, but you, you can, you can you, if you get that smell in your nose, uh, as you think about trash burning. But at one point, at least, it was a place of greater abomination. They had set up an idol to Moloch. Moloch is a demon god that was worshipped. Moloch demanded sacrifice, human sacrifice, baby sacrifice. And many Jewish people would go and worship Moloch. They would sacrifice their children. If I have the right god, uh, demon god, correct, they had a statue with his arms outstretched, and they would light a fire under his arms, under his hands, and they would place the baby on the hands. Can you imagine the abomination of killing one of God's creatures in worship to a demon? Be afraid, Jesus says, of those who can send you to a place of such abomination. Be afraid of those that can destroy soul and body. Be afraid. If we're afraid simply because people hate us, we might do the wrong thing. If we're afraid, rather, of of doing the wrong thing, if, if we're simply afraid that we do not want to offend God, this is what true fear of God is. The fear of the Lord is that we do not want to break that relationship that, because we love him so much that we don't want to break that relationship. We will do what is right and we will live fearlessly. But we shouldn't just simply be afraid because people hate us. And let's be honest, for most of us, we don't like thinking about that, but if we really lived our faith more fully, people would really hate us. Why is it that the Catholic Church, perhaps second to our Jewish brothers and sisters, are the most persecuted? I I find it ironic, though, at the same time, while we're persecuted for holding fast on the issues of life and human sexuality, where there's anything of the demonic, you just watch a few few, uh, horror shows or whatever, they don't call the Protestant pastors, they call the priests. Because they know there's a truth here. If we're hated because we're doing the right thing, okay, fine. It's not comfortable, but in the end, it will be revealed why we are hated. I I have to admit, and and it's been on my mind all week because of Father's Day, and and, uh, some I've hinted at it enough, I don't have a... Uh, well, everyone has a relation with everyone, but I don't have a good relationship at all with my father. I don't know what happened. He hates me. I can say it that bluntly. I love him and I pray for him. I desire a relationship, but he hates me. And I don't know why. In order to have him love me, I would have to deny certain truths. Truths about my mother, truths about growing up. The number one truth I would have to deny from the last conversation I had with him is that I don't have the right to exist. I should not have been conceived, even. His hatred of me 
does not prevent me from loving him. His hatred of me does not prevent me from seeking God's will for my life. And I'm comfortable with saying I can, I can seek God. I can seek God with all my mind, heart, and soul, and knowing that he hates me because that's on him, not on me. If he's going to be an enemy of me because I'm a friend of God, okay. I can't deny who I am. And I can't deny my faith, my love of God, my love of him, ultimately. But my love of truth comes because of, because of my love of God. I can love even though he does not love me. This is hard. This is a hard lesson. And it's one that I've, I've learned. But again, I want to bring it home. That yes, we are called to love everyone. But there's nowhere in the scriptures that says everyone has to love us. In fact, Jesus promises that there will be people who hate us. Do not be afraid of them. It's a hard message to live. It's a hard message to preach. But be love, loving. Love one another. Love even your enemies, even if it's hard, even if they hate you. Because in the end, and this is where I need to remind myself not to get triumphant about it or whatever. But in the end, God willing, I will stand before God the Father and say, I loved to the best of my ability. And even though he doesn't love me, his hatred of me does not prevent me from being in your presence. That his hatred of me may keep him out. That breaks my heart because I desire the very, very best for him. But it's on him. It will be revealed. Why? All will be revealed. And we simply have to trust. We come this day knowing that when we love, when we truly love, as God has called us, we're not always going to be loved in return. But it will be revealed who is right, who is justified in the next.